when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It's Monday, June 8th, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 320. Is that right, or is it 319, Kato? 319. 319. I'm your host. (laughs) I wrote 319. I just didn't trust myself. I'm looking at 319. I should have gone with it. I'm your host, Austin Walker. Those are the voice already of Ricardo Contreras. Also joining us, Gita Jackson. Hello. And Rob Zachney. How you doing, Rob? How's it going? It's going. It's good. It's, it's, it's not, you know, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's going, (laughs) it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) I'm I'm exhausted. (laughs) Right? Uh huh. Um, it's fine. It's it's been a long. It's continued to be a, a long couple of weeks. I think we're What's passing. It? Yeah. Never. What's it like no. in Queens right now? Fine. It's fine. Huh? fine. I see a person walking past the block. I'm looking out the window. It's sunny. Um, you know? Queens is small. Queens is like <sighs> Queens does not have protest energy in that uh, way. There, there was a protest okay. in Astoria last week, um, but it is not. It is not Brooklyn. It is not like. It is not a destination the way Manhattan is, where you're like, yes, let's go there and have a protest. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm in a more dense part of Queens, but lots of Queens is almost suburban in places. Yeah, um, that's and true. so it's it's a different vibe for sure. Um, but but you know, it's fine. You know, that's still how are fine. y'all doing? How was your how was how were your weekends? Y'all get up to anything uh, interesting? Yeah. Yeah, I certainly did. Oh, also, God. we can't. What? You can't serve up that slow intro to play and be like, "Here's a segue." That underhand talk, Thank you, and then just everybody stares at it as it rolls in the dirt. Toot your horns, maybe people. I would open that was, it up for other people to have had a nice weekend. Okay, did you have a nice weekend, Rob? Did you do anything interesting? Uh, I watched my friends stream for justice. Boom, oh, got him. <laughs> Uh, okay. This weekend I was on, count them, three different fundraiser streams. That's right. A hat trick of fundraisers. Wow. One of which I helped organize. Trick. Yeah. On Friday I was helping out US Gamer. I was in a segment with uh, Abby Russell and Ben Pack from Giant Bomb. You might know those guys. They do and know those, those folks, yeah. Yeah, we played, honestly, what should become part of the rotation for everyone's party games that they're playing with their buds, golfing with your friends, which is... Described to me as track mania, but it's golf. Oh, that's it's a great pitch. This, yeah, it's just this wacky game where it's like mini golf style with a lot of really weird courses. Um, and you all play it once and it's just janky enough that it becomes like a hilarious nightmare. We had such a problem. I had I had a real problem. I was really Ooh. bad at this game. It was really fun to play, though. <laughs> like if you watch the VOD, which I believe is up on YouTube because we were just streaming to YouTube. So check out US Gamers channel. Um, we, (laughs) there's just like a lot of parts where everyone stops like 
bantering and we all just yell, no, no, <laughs> like a full minute. God. That's really, I really, really like this we played a, Yeah, we played um, a spaceship, a, an outer space themed uh, course, which had all these like gravity and wind obstacles to do. It was super so wait, fun. So the way this game works is I'm looking at it. I'm asking you are you you sometimes it looks like you're directly controlling this golf ball you are directly controlling the golf ball you you can i mean you you are hitting it right you are hitting it okay you are selecting the direction to be clear it's well it's like mini golf with like very absurd mini golf courses is what it looks like okay yeah the one in space there were like conveyor belts and moving platforms and black holes that sucked in the ball and would just shoot in a random direction okay um the pirate ship one, which we tried to let next, has a whole bunch of stuff. The you can c- get the balls to, so it's you are controlling them because if you click, you can make the balls uh, hop like jump in water. Okay. So sure. you could use like the uh, surrounding water to get to the hole. In fact, a lot of us there's a time limit for each hole, but on one of the holes in the pirate uh, themed course, we ended up all just kind of hopping up and down in the water and running out the clock. Great. So that yeah. is the way in which it is like Trackmania. is like everyone is constantly trying to get to the hole. It's not yeah. counting strokes. It's counting time, presumably. No, it, it also is counting? also counting Great. strokes. Good. So then we had a lot of like 18 over par <laughs> like situations. It's um, like very, 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 it's hard. Like these courses are hard. What makes it a perfect party game is that it's chaos. One, yeah. everyone's doing it at the same time. Two, the courses are actually pretty difficult. So if someone manages to get par or under par, even we were even like clapping for bogeys and double bogeys, which is like a one or two over par. And right. like that's sincerely impressive. And um, nobody ever feels bad or at least playing with these this crew. No one felt bad. Because like we all were struggling, and if anybody that's the first thing I've heard that happy. makes it sound not like golf. <laughs> <laughs> no one not felt the, bad. The spaceships were like, oh, so that's how it's a game. Yeah, yeah. No one felt bad. It's not a huge waste of public green space, and it's not racist. Good. So Love there it. you go. That's how it's not like golf. Those are important. Those are important things. Yeah, this seems great. This looks fantastic. I play this. I mean, yeah, definitely. Like it's a Steam. really good. Hop in the voice chat on Discord late at oh, yeah. night with friends yeah. game. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I bought it. A, golf like, ball into a T-Rex mouth, apparently. Oh, my God. I want to play that one so bad. I need <laughs> to just get all my friends to get this. It's so easy to learn. You just use the mouse, too. And, like, the physics are really, really weird. So it's it's just fun to see how the game kind of breaks when you play it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, we Isn't raised... It- um, a couple thousand bucks for bail funds and mutual aid, and then the next day, Kato was also on this. Yeah. He was playing. You were playing tonight, we riot, which was so much fun to watch. Yeah, um, which I've talked about on the pod before, but quick recap was a um side-scrolling, uh, group-based beat 'em up ish game uh, about liberating a town from its corporate overlords. And it's great and ridiculous. I fought a crab monster on stream that was Perfect. made by the pollution that the corporation Damn. was causing. Uh, yeah, Get it's on. great. <laughs> uh, it's great. And um, I kept losing. I kept losing a bunch during the stream. And it was because I wasn't properly prepared. And I ended up okay. uh, donning my uh, mask and eye goggles and helmet for, you know, safe Safe, safe protesting. Oh, I see. Okay. Is there a <laughs> VOD up for, for this uh, set of streams? Yeah. Was this the Hot Gamer this was, Collective? Um, 
Yeah, this is the Hot Gamer Collective, formerly known as Hot Gamers for Bernie. Um, so that's something me and my friend Nico Deo, who's written for Motherboard or for Vice Gaming before, and Maddie Myers, who's now at Polygon, the three of us. Well, what happened was one day I came in and was like, when Bernie was still running, I came into our Discord. I was like, "Does anyone want to do a charity stream for Bernie?" Mm. And then I took a nap, and Nico had just organized it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then for this one, it was a similar thing where Nico was like, uh, "I think we should do a Black Lives Matter charity stream." And I was like, "Right, yeah, we should use that Discord we set up for the other one." And then I, the next day, we had a full schedule and graphics and everything. <laughs> we set this awesome. up in a week, and we ran raised thirty one thousand dollars for awesome. mutual aid and bail funds and it was great we we didn't fundraise in the normal way that people do on twitch normally people use an app called tiltify mm-hmm. which just automatically counts donations if you use a particular link um we had people we wanted to open it up to bail funds and mutual aid networks and people's like personal hometowns so that sure. they can donate to things that would serve them directly instead of donating to a larger okay. fund that yeah. would disperse the funds. Um, so it was more complicated. We had people like yeah. email in receipts and stuff. Ah, we had sure. this really long doc. Cool. But I think it's a better way to get people to learn about the like the mutual aid networks that are in their own hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's, a good idea. That's um, it was fun. Like um, David was with me, my boyfriend David, <laughs> uh, who and he doesn't really stream, but he was. He was having fun. It was fun watching him do a charity, a fun charity fundraising stream because he was sort of learning about the educational aspect that kind of happens naturally when you do these things where people ask you what you're fundraising for. And then you have to not only explain what it is, but like why it's important and why you should give that money. So talking to people in the chat for a couple of hours about mutual aid networks like I belong, I use NYC Mesh in New York City instead of corporate internet, for example. And that's like a volunteer-run network, of a volunteer-run real mesh network of routers in Brooklyn and Manhattan. And it's kind of incredible. It didn't even occur to me to think about it as mutual aid until Mm -hmm. this all started. But it is, like, that's a way to get people free or no-cost internet. Totally. Like, it's... Regular the same speed as like normal consumer grade internet most of the time, except when your antenna on the roof blows over because of the wind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then yesterday, and like when you're listening to this, it might still be ongoing. But the YouTuber Big Joel asked me to be in uh, the chat for his charity live stream, which has also raised over thirty thousand dollars for the Sick. bail fund network, the bail project. Yeah. Um, uh, he is playing Mario 64 and trying to beat it, and he's very, very bad at the video game. So <laughs> he might still be fundraising currently. I hope so. Um, the next time I'm on, I might stop by because he's just going to be going and going and going. He was truly losing his mind last night. He was stuck at 57 stars for so long. <laughs> he just couldn't. It was 3D puzzle platforming with the 60, the Nintendo 64 controls, you know? It's I not... do. I, I'm <laughs> terrible. I, uh, platformers went 3D, and I didn't go with them. So. <laughs> well, yeah. neither did anybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, people love those games. People, well, yeah, people he, love the them most in spite of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> on the stream last night, he kept, kept saying, this game is such a classic. Everyone says it's such a classic. I'm having mm-hmm. so much fun playing this classic game. Uh, he... I think I'm learning a lot about the existential fear of like a marathon fundraiser. He kept saying he was afraid to go to bed because he was afraid he'd wake up to three people in chat being like, well, you said you'd finish the game. 
you said you'd finish it. <laughs> said you finish and they it. all give like one dollar every hour. And he just has to stay there finishing the game, talking to no one, to an audience of no one. Yeah, can you happen. could beat that game. That game's... Can he get a guide? He should get a guide. He's, he got to 57 stars matter. before realizing he was not using a checklist. <laughs> okay, but wait, did he say he was going to win a hundred percent that game, or that he, he was wanted gonna... to get all the stars? Oh well, there's mm, a problem the there, yeah. buddy. Yeah, <laughs> just just beat Bowser, all right? Just beat, just <laughs> just, beat Bowser. You know, just beat Bowser, okay? No that's that's, that's totally yeah. fine. <laughs> he ain't counting stars. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's, he's fucking pick him up by his big tail, spin him around, throw him off the <laughs> ledge or whatever. It's yeah, fine. That's fine. Bowser's that's fine. A, Peach doesn't give a shit about your stars. <laughs> just wants to go home again. He just wants to go home. Yeah, um, she's making well, a cake like, in the middle of that. <laughs> sounds like a very productive uh, weekend. I guess while we're plugging things really quick, I, I like never plug Friends at the Table stuff here, but we are also doing a fundraiser right now uh, of the buy stuff variety, not the live stream variety, because I think we're all very busy right now. Though one of us did a did a stream last week. Dre did a did a, a live stream that was also filled with like education and stuff, which was rad. Um, but if you go to friends at the table itch.io, there is a, a zine sale going on plus a postcard sale, uh, all digital stuff. We kind of collected all of the previous fanzines. We got permission from almost all of the artists. I think all but one of the artists we were able to get in touch with and either work out an honorarium or uh, they would waive their 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 fee. Um, and uh, we were able to sell all of the past zines, which were for Counterweight, Marialda, Twilight Mirage, and then there was one of of uh, very, very um, none of them are not safe for work. They're all very classy pinups called "Who's That Big Man?" A Friends at the Table pinup zine. Uh, <laughs> so that's also in that collection. What and then a also we used name. To, it's so funny. Um, we we had a, for our Patreon, we have a postcard sets. Um, uh, we kind of have like micro fiction and original art. Um, and those have only been for like the $25 a, a month tier of the Patreon for the last three years or two years or whatever. Um, and so now those are avail- available digitally. And then that money goes to Reclaim the Block, Black Youth Project 100, Bail Project, and Marshall Project. So go check those out if you are a lapsed Friends of the Table fan and listen to Waypoint, but don't listen to Fat anymore because that's fair. That happens. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just want to shout that out super quick. Um I uh, every time I podcast with you, I end up buying something, and it's no good. less that's, true right now. That's how it goes. That's how I do. Speaking of itch, they're also running a different oh, thing, yeah. which is actually really good. Uh, a bundle of 742 different items. It's actually the thing money. is, I think it's actually, I think it's 743 games. They forgot that they also included the game of looking through 25 pages of games yeah, and deciding 20. which one. <laughs> to download Uh um it's called the bundle for racial justice and equality uh it has stuff from 564 different creators it has 742 items they've raised 2.4 mil um uh so far for uh the NAACP legal defense and education fund and the the community bail fund um there's some incredible stuff in there both large and small both uh, uh physical and digital like it's a mix of tabletop stuff and lots of video games um it's good i was uh thinking of Looking through this bundle and seeing what games that you might not have heard of that you want to check out that are in it because totally. there's just so many 
that it's just, difficult to parse. Like it's yeah. difficult to express even yeah. how many games are in this. I like went through that whole list and then I just opened it again. I was like, damn, how did I not see this one? I should add this one to my download <laughs> yeah, queue. Totally. So, even there's just so much stuff that I've heard of and never had a chance to play. I heard Strawberry yeah. Strawberry Cubes was great and it's in it. There's this game that's called Don't Take It Personally, I Just Don't Like You, the lo-fi anime uh, dating sim to cry to, which sounds Damn. very fun. Sounds great. That's great. That's yeah. fantastic. Uh, there's uh, a lot yeah. of really good stuff in there, and so definitely worth checking out. The, yeah, it seems it seems dope. Uh, Signs uh, of Sojourners in there, and that just Science came out. Sojourners just came out, yeah. <laughs> Minute Wild. is in it, which... Minute's I know Jim Rogers Minute was raving about. Very slept on. I really love Minute. I just shouted that out in another podcast. Extreme um, Meat Punks Forever is in there. Forever is in there. And then there's like Tonight some... Tonight We Riot is also in there. Yeah. So. yeah there's, there's stuff in there that's actually like even even a little bit bigger on like the bigger side of, of indie, like Oxenfree and Mortician's Tale and uh, Night in uh, the Woods. Julian Glander's Art School is also yeah, in there. Yeah, totally. Overland is in here. Yeah, we could just do this all day because there's right. 700 plus games yeah. and every time... You, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, there's a billion <laughs> Otome games, there's a billion visual novels, there's like a ton of, of really cool tabletop stuff. Uh, again, some big tabletop stuff like Blades in the Blades Dark in the is just dark in here. Is in Blades here, in the Dark is just realize. great. I was like, yeah, I was yeah, gonna, yeah. Okay, again, yeah, every time I'm it. on this podcast, I buy something. Yeah. Here I am. <laughs> so you could fall down this this rabbit hole. It's it's There's a lot there. Go check that out for sure. Um, I also played something this, I played something this weekend that's the opposite of everything we just talked Well, I, it's opposite in the sense that it's not indie. Uh, it's also in the, in the sense that it is maybe it is going for very big prestige stuff uh, and it's not even new um, and it's you you definitely play a shitty cop in it. Mm. Um, so I definitely caught some feelings there, but I know it, it thinks it knows you're playing a shitty cop. Um, I played um, like three hours of the Order 1886. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh my god, Rab, back in the game. Oh god. Back, baby. Oh. This game's all right. This is all right. This game's this game's oh, fine. This wow. game's all right. Uh, Rob wow. has been pushing me to play the Order for probably on and off since since I've known since I've known since it came out. Probably is since you've been telling people to, to that it's better than they think it is. Um, that game's all right. That I, so here's what I'll put you in my headspace. I have two things here. One is <laughs> I was just I was just itching for some. I was itching for shooting at monsters, but not in the like Diablo shooting at monster sense. Uh, we're fighting monsters. I almost played more of The Witcher Three, but I was like, I do. I want to start that over. I'm like 50 hours in. That's enough to be. That's like right at the edge of what I could possibly just jump back in. You know. Um, uh, and I was like, ah, what if I just get like, what if I just get this through my system, you know? And the other half of it is with The Last of Us Two coming out, I was like, I want to taste the prestige, the Sony prestige mode of narrative again, and and have something to compare it to that isn't just Naughty Dog stuff, um, because obviously, I think I think it's fair to say that there's a certain model of storytelling because they're suffused through a lot of the first or second party, whatever we we want to call the. I actually don't know who. Order is, is, are they, are, what's the name of that studio? Is that Ready at Dawn? Is that Sony Santa Monica? No, so Sony Santa Monica just got of war. I think it's, I want to say it's Ready at Dawn, uh, but I don't remember if they're actually fully owned. No, it's not Ready at Dawn. It's, uh, it is, it is Ready at Dawn. Yes, correct. Uh, anyway, um, uh, in fact, I didn't know this. I didn't know that it was former Naughty Dog and Blizzard people, but that makes a lot of sense. Huh. Um, uh, in any case, um, that was like a big launch game, The Order, and it, and it, it kind of presaged what, I think a lot of games in this 
from Sony would look like this this generation. Um, probably building off of the success of Last of Us last generation. Uh, that that even things like God of War would take on this sort of like prestige drama, uh, c- cinematography tone and stuff like that. Um, and that stuff tends to not mesh well with me. Um, despite being someone who likes prestige TV, despite being someone who likes that mode of storytelling, I, I tend to bounce off of it in games uh, for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's like um, days gone. I just don't think they're sticking the landing on that on that style of storytelling at all. Um, but other times it just doesn't feel there's a there's a degree to which it feels the edge has been sanded off. Um, the thing about prestige TV is that, and when we, when we talk about prestige TV, what are we talking about? We're talking about a huge variety of shows that tackle things, uh, that tackle a wide range of themes and genre space, um, and that have a great deal of variety. So I don't want to say like there's such a thing, there's a, there's a clear and super defined genre of prestige TV, but when you look at like the golden age of TV forward, um, you're looking at things that added a sort of edge to what television, the, the, the kind of contemporary model of television um, looked like in terms of focusing on continuity and consequence, focusing on character and uh, uh, really sharp character performance work that went beyond, you know, episode of the week or, or you know, kind of uh, episodic storytelling and, and moving into something more serialized. Um, um, and and you saw a range of topics that just weren't going to be covered, especially on network television at the time, or a, a range of perspectives, right? Interject briefly. Um, you can see how much this revolutionized television, how this specific trend that I think people say began with The Sopranos, but I'm not quite sure that's real. In the late 90s, um, there's this show that aired on Fox's first slate of original dramatic television programming called Profit. That was basically the first anti-hero drama. And you can see in that show, it's on YouTube. It's hilarious, but it's also interesting to watch. It's on YouTube because you can see the things that there eventually would become prestige TV. And some of the people that worked in the show would go on to work on Buffy and then Lost and then other shows like this. So it's Mm -hmm. the first anti-hero protagonist. The big selling point of the show was that he was a businessman who thought murder was good, which apparently (laughs) America had never seen before. Um, (laughs) So the first episode that it's it's interesting to look at the way that people in television have been trying to do this and had never figured out how to break the right. then cemented form of television, which somewhere like HBO was able to do because they didn't have commercials. Right. Wild. Yeah. So so yeah, I think that era forward, you you see uh, a great deal of subject matter that would not have made it onto, you know, America's favorite network or any other network show. Um, and uh, the the kind of thesis I'm building towards here is that while that is what... Th- it feels like those same sorts of stories to me when I see them in games have then been sanded back down for a wide consumer uh, audience and for um, a slightly... The word mature is wrong here, but, like, none of that stuff hits the way some of the more nuanced stuff I see in shows I love from great showrunners like Deadwood or something, right? From, from Milch um, uh, or The Wire, right? Like that, that stuff doesn't, I, I'm never comfortable in those shows um, when the shows are, do, are at their best. Whereas I was comfortable all the way through God of War, I was just frustrated. You know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. challenged by those shows. I was, um, and, and that's also been my experience with Naughty Dog's games. And, and I know that this puts me as an outlier and, and can even kind of sound like an insult. And I'm not insulting anyone. I'm just talking about what my taste is. 
Um, and so I went into this because I wanted to feel out that style of production that style, and to see how I felt ab about it ahead of Last of Us 2 and kind of get a taste. Also, I know it's not that long and it's like eight hours. I'll be done it in, you know, by this time next week, um, which is a great feeling about a video game. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, it is really interesting because of how different, how distinct it feels compared to something like The Last of Us. I don't think... I don't think there's a world in which it wins the awards The Last of Us wins. I don't think there's a world, and it didn't, obviously. Um, I don't think that there's a, a, a world in which it um, is able to bring the conversations to bear where people say, that, like, oh, this is a game that made me cry, or I don't know, maybe, maybe by hour eight I'll have changed my opinion on that. Um, it's a pretty straightforward variation on, like, the third-person shooter, Gears of War, cover-based stuff. Um, I get why I was dismissive of it when it came out. Um, but I, I, I do think I undersold the degree to which it was willing to trust the audience to do some of the to meet it halfway on some of its themes and world building. Uh, and and I was I definitely underestimated its ability to build a really cohesive and sharp world. Um, the the ways in which it the just like the, the level of detail and the spaces you're in are already all really cool. Um, but the way that it slowly feeds you information about what this world is, what the stakes are, um, who you are in the world is is way more restrained than I ever imagined it could be. Um, there was a moment, I guess, to set it up, you are playing at the top of the game, you're being drowned. You're, you're in prison, you're being drowned, you're in some sort of British lockdown. You don't really know what time or place it is. It looks like it's probably turn of the, the turn of the 20th century, maybe a little bit before. It's hard to say. It's like, you know, somewhere in the late 1800s. Uh, probably 1886, I would say, probably around huh. order 1886. Yeah. Uh, and and you you end up kind of escaping from this prison. You're confronted by people who clearly have some emotional investment of you, who used to be your allies, and you know you you end up getting into a flashback. You know, uh, how did I get here? Type moment um, where you are going into uh, an area that has been taken over um, by uh, uh, quote unquote bedlamites. Uh, which are mm. a, a, a escaped um, escaped uh, prisoners and um, uh, people who are in an asylum uh, who've taken over. I forget what the building is even. It's like a fancy uh, it's a fancy it's like building a merchant exchange. Yeah, it's like yeah. tied to a trade company. Um, uh, and also there are some werewolves nearby, so that's no good. Uh, and you're like, <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck are the Bedlamites doing talking to the Lycans? This is this is no good. Are the rebels involved? And like, wait. Uh, I'm looking at my uniform. Am I a am I a baddie? Am I the fascist? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, you were absolutely the fascists. Uh, and there's a moment early on where I'm like, okay, I got it. There's werewolves. There's da 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 da. Um, and then uh, then there's this kind of back to back moment of you meet a guy who's named um, uh, Lafayette, and it becomes clear like this is the Lafayette. This is this is the Marquis de, de Lafayette who you know, helped uh, the American revolutionaries, went back to France and took took part in the French Revolution. Uh, that shit was before 1886, and he looks young and prosperous. He's like, he's like a ladies' man. And you're like, wait, mm, when, if that's him, how alternate is this alternate universe, actually? Um, what's going on here that this guy is either still around or has he been moved out of? Like, what's going on? Uh, I think I have an answer for it now, but I'm not far enough in to have that confirmed. But it starts going like, wait a second, Okay, what what do I have? What what is it that I have access to? Um, and as far as I'm in the game now, I just had an incredible sequence where 
we are moving through Whitechapel because all games set in this period of England have to do their Jack the Ripper thing and have to bring you into Whitechapel. Uh, and you're moving through this space. You're fighting the kind of revolutionaries that are there who are trying to fight for liberty uh, against the tyranny of the queen, uh, which fair. Uh, and you get into this like incredible shootout in the streets where a local cop gets gets caught and you're trying to drag him into safety, which again, I, what a week to, to play this game. <laughs> um, and first of all, it ex- it extremely is, this is extremely the game of like, the fascists have the cool guns. Uh, you definitely have a gun that just shoots thermite into the air, and then you ignite Jesus. the thermite, uh, which is terrifying. Uh-huh. Um, but being able to like draw from one building to another and then light the entire like crosswalk above it is sound effect is real good for it. It's too. a good sound just effect. Just the sound of the air right. catching fire. It's like mm. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you drag him in. You drag this fucking guy who just died for you right into this building. Uh, and it's you and like three other of these super cops from the order called knights. Uh, and the you, your do you one of your your mentors basically had gotten shot in the neck, uh, like or like you know grazed in the neck. And meanwhile, this cop on the ground is like bleeding out from a gut shot, basically. Uh, and your mentor like takes this little vial and sips it, and, and then the, the wound heals up. And the guy on the ground is just like slowly bleeding out. It's like ah, nothing to do for him. Save your prayers. There's no God. And it's like. <laughs> You have, you all have this vial. You could just, just give it to him. He's right. He died uh-huh. for you. He's right. Okay, we're not gonna, we're not gonna talk about it. And that's a moment that in a different game, I think would have gotten this huge scene where one character says to another one, "We have the vial. Why don't we just give him the the juice? Why don't we give him the juice?" <laughs> and then character B says, "We, you know, we can't give him the juice. The queen has to say that we have to give him the juice." And then he goes, no, the liberty, we have to, you know, we're the good guys. You, you have to go back to thinking about what good means, lad, or whatever. And then we move, and like, no, 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 none of that happens. Boyo. Instead, yeah, boyo. And instead, we, it's just nothing. It's just this guy dies on the ground, miserable, watching someone else heal from a much lesser wound, uh, wasting his, his queen juice. Uh, and and that's a great moment. And it's a moment that that feels like it doesn't have the sort of scaffolding around it with all the big bright uh, signage pointing like, look, this is an important scene. And that brings me in a lot deeper than when I hear the violin cue up an emotional moment. And that's just how I tend to experience a a, a lot of narrative stuff. Um, uh, Not that I don't love a good violin cueing up an emotional moment when it works, but, but when it, when I can feel the hand of the creator telling me that something is important, it can kind of pull me away from it sometimes. Um, So yeah, Rob, thank you for pushing me on this. I don't know if you have any uh, updated order, order thoughts right now. I think in some ways it's a game that probably ages even better than I thought. Uh, because I think one of the themes you, you talk about it being uh, you, you play a shitty cop. I think one of the other things that runs through that game is the way your 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 enchanted knights of the round table police force isn't just meant to evoke police, but also like modern elite commando troops right mm-hmm. like there's a sequence i don't know if you've gotten to it but it's like i think it might be toward the end of the white chapel run where you call in air support and your guys like get on there they've got their little um they wear their radios where the cops do basically yep. a little shoulder the shoulder mic uh and they get on their handset and they call in like airstrike support from zeppelins that are just orbiting uh 
orbiting London. And the entire thing evokes, you know, Spectre gunship strikes uh, in the War on Terror, drone strikes. But of course, this is being deployed in the heart of London uh, at the behest of these cops. And I think one of the things running through this is that the tools of imperial violence abroad will inevitably make their way home. Right. And this is like classic shit. <laughs> yeah. And the and the thing that this game is meant to evoke is it is evoking the forms of imperial violence that modern empires uh, like the United States deploy. Right. It is. It isn't. It isn't uh, evoking pith helmets and redcoats. Uh, you know, in you know, in India at the time, it is evoking the way we fight wars across Africa, across uh, Afghanistan across Iraq right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that is one of the interesting things about it. And I think, and I think here is the paradox. That stuff is also kind of cool and engaging in the way that like the thermite, uh, you know, gun is cool. Like the, who, who's the quote that says you can't make a truly anti-war picture because the spectacle is, is it Renoir? That, ooh, I'm not sure. I know the quote. I don't I think know it the might person. have been Renoir actually. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, but I but I think that I'm not sure that's an I'm not sure that's a statement that totally holds true. I think you we probably all have the movie that we'd hold up as like ah, I think this might disprove it. But I think there's something to it, right? Which is that the spectacle of uh, you know violence and the spectacle of like tremendous powers being unleashed and being wielded uh, by people that is very seductive. And yeah. cameras like visual media love it. You see you see colors and you hear things that just don't occur in daily life. And I think that can make the that, that creates, I think, a tension with within these things. I think the Order 1886 has a very smart critique, and I think it tells the story very, very well. At the same time, there is a part of me that when you like look over the London skyline and you you hear the dry voice of the Zeppelin operator just like asking for coordinates, and then you just like rain down hell. You're like, fuck yes, games rule. Right. But also, even the thermite is, gun. This is bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, even the thermite gun and, and the sort of like, there was a sort of procedural rhetoric at, at place in terms of, um, or, or it's not even a rhetoric in the sense that it's, that, it's, that it's intentional, but there is a sort of formal thing happening in the game where you get this gun that, again, the way, what it does is it kind of puts puffs of thermite uh, in the air when you shoot it, and then you kind of trigger that with a spark that then lights up the entire any any area that has any of it lingering nearby. Um, you find that in a rebel supply like uh, uh, bin, basically. It turns out they have weapons they shouldn't have that have been smuggled in. Those are the those weapons are only deployed by the order a week ago. Um, but you never have them deployed against you. You fight them through the streets, and they are using like shotguns and pistols and rifles, and they're this kind of ragtag rebellious group. You never, you have not yet at this point, at least, faced that style of violence against you, where you were, uh, you know, outnumbered or outgunned. Um, and so it's kind of weird that there is a sort of there is a sort of um, sleight of hand happening there, where like the reason it is in the moment it feels okay to use a weapon so severe as that. Uh, or feels okay is is subjective and not exactly clear. Uh, but but the, the reason that it, it feels like the characters are quick to do it is like, oh, these are our weapons. They were going to use them against us. We have them right now. Let's use them against them. But they didn't use them against you. They kept them in a bin <laughs> in a crate below. And you as a player didn't have the gameplay experience of having to face that stuff. 
Uh, so it, it never disempowers you. It never actually, but it gives you the framing in which you you theoretically were up against this thing, and and kind of makes it a, a fair use case in a, in, a, in a very strange way. Um, and, and so I think I think the fact that you you the game knows it wants you to feel like a badass because that's what games are supposed to do. I think this ends up being part of what my my problem with this model of storytelling in games ends up being is the the you know, Tony Soprano does not often feel like a badass. Um, and when he yeah. does, it is at some incredible cost to to his humanity, to his relationship with other people, often materially. Um, uh, and likewise, across the, the wide range of, again, what we call prestige television, um, that model of storytelling. In great films uh, that are about, quote unquote, about something, those moments of, of dramatic violence don't necessarily... I mean, I guess this goes back, and I looked it up, it was a Truffaut quote. It does go back to that. It's like, can those moments of violence feel, will they ever be free of the joyous spectacle that that is on screen to display them? Um, and I think that violence can be on screen in other ways. And I think maybe war specifically struggles, but I think that you can have sequences of violence that are shocking and stirring and uh, demoralizing and everything in between. Um, uh, uh, and I think that in general, I just, it's hard for me to see that in games because of how much of it there has to be. It has mm -hmm. to feel good to pull the trigger a thousand times per yeah. level often, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, a lot of, I think if we can typify what prestige television does narratively, a lot of it has to do with understatement and subversion. So if you look at a show like, Deadwood, where um, in the first episode, still the only episode of Deadwood I've seen, there is a scene <laughs> where a man has to be hang, hung by the neck because he's a criminal. And the it doesn't work because actually when you're hung from the neck, it doesn't always work. So he has to be pulled down uh, to break his neck so he can die. And the reaction from the way it's framed yeah. is understated, right? It's not framed so that it you it's shocking to the people around you. It's framed so that you understand the extremity of the lengths of, you know, what it is like to live in the town of Deadwood, where things are just shitty all the time and everyone's swearing. Um, can't, even, can't even hang a man right. Right, right. And, you know, that, I feel like, is a narrative beat you can get in a video game. But it has to come around just <laughs> violence, 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 a lot of the time in these AAA games that are look going for this kind of thing. I think that was a, my big problem with The Last of Us, its approach is that it tries to make those kinds of narrative moments, especially specifically talking about near the end with the elephants and then the, the thing that you have to do, where it's just like, the, it, the, it just goes mega grim to differentiate well, the dogs it from are gonna the have, grimness of the world yeah. around it. <laughs> the dogs are going to have names this time, Kita. So, <laughs> so I, I, think, I think there's a couple things. One is that I think while like the prestige game shares a word with prestige TV. And I think certainly the way they are marketed, they want to reach for that yes. level of like cultural uh, cachet. Really, I think what their dominant aesthetic is, is actually the impact aesthetics of late 90s, early 2000s war movies, like mm. desaturated, understated. Because yeah. if you think yeah. about it, a lot yeah. of prestige TV is actually evoking uh, neo-noir uh, color palettes or even like, Madman isn't like full on Technicolor, but there are times like it really does love to like saturate the palette. 
in a way that you just don't see in uh, certainly this this mode of game, right? Where it's like very uh, monochromatic, very you know, very yeah, uh, yeah. Very, very grayscale. Um, but I think the I think the other part of this is to the point about like there's so much violence in these games. I think the only solution they've tried to come up with to make it feel like it has weight and maybe feel like it is, uh, is exacting a moral cost on your protagonists is to make it comically graphic and grotesque at times. And it takes itself very seriously. But if you look at like the last of us, I was replaying it a bit, uh, you know, trying to, get in the headspace for last of us to revisit it. I do like the last of us, but when you look at like the animations of Joel, like grabbing somebody and just fucking hauling that blade across the throat, yeah. and blood's geysering everywhere and everyone just covered in it. The first time you do it, you're like, Whoa, Jesus, this is brutal. You will do that a thousand times during that game. And there'll be variations on that same animation. And the game will want to say like, man, isn't this game brutal? Isn't it? Isn't it? awful and isn't this a, a grim world and it's like no this is actually just a really way more violent and graphic like animation for something i do in a million other games right and i think therein lie the trouble like these aren't prestige they're not they can't because we, we don't triple a games don't exist in they don't have the the grammar uh to do what prestige tv does which is unpack character through in action through conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, the defining action of a game character is to t- is is to move to kill, and so I think we we end up in this really uncomfortable place with these games where, in the marketing, and and the way they are pitched, they are trying to say they offer profound truths about right. human nature. I think there are limited truths you can glean about human nature from creeping around behind waist high walls and then like leaping out to stab a zombie in the throat. Like, I think there's the, I think no, you're totally <laughs> the right. moral education is limited there. <laughs> there's also a, a, a difference in, in, in goal, right? Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, very quick Google searches just now, you know, Mad Men in season seven drew between 1.4 and 3.3 million viewers per episode. Uh, something like Scandal even, right? Which I think is like on the edge of mainstream television and prestige TV, you know, uh, five mil viewers. Uh, NCIS, 12.3 million viewers in its 17th season, right? Um, these want to be NCIS. These don't want to be Mad Men. These don't want to be The Sopranos. They don't want to be water just the water cooler conversation of the people in the know. They want to be big cultural moments. And in that way, they have more in common with young Sheldon than with <laughs> Deadwood, right? And and I, and I think that's an interesting dilemma because to reach that wide audience, the thing that you're saying is uh, Prestige TV uh, and, and Prestige TV showrunners and, and filmmakers literally change the verbiage of or the, like the, the, the technique of storytelling in order to evoke something distinct from what primetime network television, pop, popular television shows. That is not what's happening in prestige gaming or prestige, you know, uh, style, this particular model of storytelling inside of games. They are, in fact, still stuck in the box of the same sort of mechanics and tools and verbs that we use across gaming. 
even in the most pulpy, you know, the gamer ass game, you're still doing even in Doom, you're doing the same. In fact, in fact, in, in the, the irony of it, of course, is like Doom makes a splash a few years ago because of how it rejects left trigger, right trigger, because of how it feels distinct from what had become the de facto way that a game is supposed to feel if it's a if it's a big, important game. Rob, you had something else. No, I was I was just thinking how I think the 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 real parallel I think of the prestige game is the comic book movie. Yes. Where mm. what they want is the cultural credibility and importance that that works of uh prestige TV are recorded as works of art. Um but also they want to be works where the hero beats the shit out of uh, the villain for 10 minutes and then like, you know, ascends the great tower and has a huge battle. And, you know, that's how it ends. <laughs> uh, and, and I think the the appeal made here is to say, well. Stories in this mode can also can still tell important stories. And I, I think that's true. I think I think yeah. genre can tell really important stories. I think by the end of the order 1886, I'm not sure. That, I think the awkward thing is, I think the the game itself, like, may not be an important game because it has some of those limitations you cited, Austin. Like, I think it doesn't know how to reinvent the cover shooter to make it so that you are like fighting yourself. It, right, you know, right. that you were up against the tools that you employ. But I think by the end, it will have told a story worth telling that has some resonance to modern society in a way that a lot of games in that generation, certainly early generation games really didn't um but i think the thing we encounter a lot with games is we conflate a certain uh i don't know grim face grim facedness uh backed by money with importance and uh -huh. insight and i think that is that's a bit of what is going on yeah, and we're going to have this conversation again and again in the coming weeks uh, once The Last of Us 2 is out and the embargo drops and all that. I know some folks here are playing it. I've not I've not touched it yet. Uh, you know, I, I haven't decided if I'm going to play that game yet. I need to I need to like sit with myself and be honest about whether or not I will enjoy it or if I will have something interesting to say about it or if it will just be the conversation we just had. But again, and if it's that, then why waste your time making making you hear me just repeat myself, right? Um, I guess I'll wait and see what, what people think. Um, any other thoughts here? Or should we go to our first break? I say first break, like we're going to have a second break. Um, I don't think we'll uh, I, just, I just have one question. How yes. far are you? Uh, Not that. I'm, I'm, I'm at the part that you just talked about, the the Zeppelins. I, I've moved the Zeppelins into place. I think I'm about to call their their, their heavenly firepower down on these, yeah. these uh, traitorous rebels. Because, so. yeah, I look forward to revisiting this conversation because I do think the second and third acts of The Order, I, I think, dig into some of the themes that Sure. Have interested you? And this I'm, is this is yeah. yeah. I, I believe you. I believe you. It's I believe. The, but it's the rare game that actually seems to know where the landing is. Okay. Much like like which a lot of games not only do not stick the landing, but they end up in a completely different drop site. 
Right. Totally. <laughs> totally. I, it's one of those things where it's like you can see the shape of the story. I mean, it opens with you in prison by the order, right? So like it, it is not it is not hiding that the, the arc of this game is going to be that you get wrapped up in some shit. You learn some unfortunate truths. You you learn you start to question the the side that you're working for and blah blah blah. Which is which is I, I'm I would rather that they did what they did and and uh you know um te- uh, telegraph that than me have to slog through all this shit where I like does this game know what it's doing like no it clearly does know it is clearly building towards that thing um uh but but yeah we'll see I, it's short enough that i will finish it you know it's short enough that i can like plug away at it a couple of hours a day or sit with it this weekend and just like knock it out so uh, i'm looking forward to that for sure i'll be in touch rob with with some more thoughts um uh oh i all i want to mm, okay i'm gonna move on there's a, yeah. a whole other conversation i could have built off of from there i'm not gonna do it we're gonna keep we're gonna go to a break <laughs> and we're gonna come back so BRB. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. All right, we are back. Uh, and during the break, Kata reminded me that I, we did do something else this weekend. <laughs> yeah, we there was an event in Destiny. Was there? Uh, yeah, there was. There was. There was. I'm sure. Was. I'm yeah. sure on the back end, it was actually very hard to do. So yeah, um, Destiny had its first. People keep referring it to this way. Um, I'm sure other things have done it, but the most recent touchstone is Fortnite style event where like uh, a thing happens that you have to kind of be in game to witness mm-hmm. um and it was basically the end of this current season where if you played destiny one you might remember the ship called the almighty that was gonna use the sun's fuel to blow up the fucking earth yeah. um that was left dormant after you disabled its weapon why uh, did we leave that dormant Zavala, uh, Zavala, why Zavala. Did we leave that dormant, my guy? We got spaceships. We should have yeah. gone and, and taken that thing, tried and to tow it or it. something. Here's the Do thing: anything. is that it's push big. it into the sun. Push it into no, the sun. No, no, that was the thing. They they explained during Destiny One that you cannot. You have to be very careful about how you disable the weapon because if you just push it into the sun, it would cause the sun to go supernova. It would destroy the. the the, the solar system pull out like the fuel or whatever in this thing right right that's what we end up doing right you disable okay. the weapon through some bullshit um but then you just have to kind of leave it there in orbit unusable uh and they probably should have taken any like fuel out of its rockets but it turns out the cabal go it's back been up years there. yeah it's, it's been, been years a long fucking time surprise the cabal are just doing this but uh they uh end up getting back on there and aiming it at earth and just kind of let it like hit the rockets, and uh, it's on a crash course. Right, colony um, drop style. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for this entire season, we've been helping Rasputin build up enough firepower to take it out 
in Rescue a way that the, war, the, the ancient war the ancient mind from the war golden mind. age. Yeah. Okay. The, the AI supercomputer that controls uh, a series of satellites and weaponry from the golden age that may or may not have attacked. <laughs> Nothing says golden age, like, like webs of yeah. orbital satellites and weaponry. <laughs> yep. You know, just a bunch of surveillance and the weaponry, no big. Um, and that's basically what the big, like kind of, uh, narrative theme of this, uh, season has been there's a lot of repeatable uh kind of quests where you're like helping build up his power um and then so and then they announce uh tune in saturday 1 p.m eastern 10 a.m pacific watch the almighty uh watch uh rasputin launch his attack and so this is right that's exciting okay that's that at that point i'm like ooh, okay All right. I will. Yeah. I will log in and see Rasputin. You know, Rasputin's always been a really interesting figure in Destiny. Yeah. I feel like like he's been built up over the years. Going back to Destiny One, you find the bunker on the in the in the uh, the Cosmodrome where he's listening to yeah. music. Like, who is this? What's up with Rasputin? I thought Rasputin the, was the last ballet. Apparently, no one likes ballet in the future except for Rasputin. Absolute bullshit. Ballet whips. Yeah, yeah. People fucking still like ballet. That's some bullshit. So, that's, yeah. that's Rasputin saying that about himself. No, no, that was a uh, fucking the ghost being like. There's so oh few ballet. Uh, it's like, who do you do you talk to anyone? No, yeah. you sit in my fucking backpack, ghost. Yeah, you don't know shit. Yeah, <laughs> go away. Um, and so and so yeah. When I saw the tweet, Rasputin is at full power tomorrow at 10 a.m. Uh, we take aim at the Almighty. It's like, ooh, okay, that's gonna like happen. Something's gonna happen. Um, well, and I guess something did happen eventually. But we, I had just finished streaming on the charity stream, uh, mm-hmm. and I logged off and went on to Destiny. I was like, all right, I, I'm like 15 minutes. I'm like, I hope it didn't miss anything. I hadn't missed <laughs> anything. Nothing fucking happened. Um, for the first, let's say. What was it? Minutes. 30, 30 minutes, minutes at least before we at saw least, a sign least. of something. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you um you see And also what this is is like it's it's everyone is sitting in the tower which is like the big yeah. public one of the two big or three or four I guess now big public social spaces um looking up at a skybox where the spaceship is kind of blotting out the sun. Yeah. Um and you're like all right, when's it going to happen? Um Something's going to happen. And it's totally very funny. <sighs> Uh, I don't know if how many people know about this. There's a little trick in the tower where through kicking a series of balls into specific corners of the tower, you end uh-huh. up setting off fireworks. Oh. Uh, and someone went through the trouble of doing that puzzle while we were there and fireworks went off like at minute 20 and people were like, oh, something's happening because so many the people fireworks. have forgotten this that's knowledge. Incredible. <laughs> it was very good. And I was like, no, that's nothing. That's somebody just fucking around because they're waiting. <laughs> good. Great. The, 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 yeah, the vibe was very much like, was very much like waiting for fireworks to start. Right. It's like people out in their holographic chairs. Yeah, uh, totally. Sipping their Emoting, holographic drinks. Sitting. Doing their emotes. Which is a weird vibe given the event is like, this thing is coming to kill us all, and we (laughs) hope we're not betrayed by this ancient super AI that we can't really trust, but we've done a bunch of work for the last month. Uh, Yeah, everybody do the worm emote. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It absolutely feels like 
a, a part of that though is the way that destiny is always framed its big moments as they're never it never feels like things will really ever go wrong you know right. it's not it's never had those types of stakes where like even if you quote-unquote succeed at your mission something goes wrong it's like the thing that you think is going to happen is going to happen i was hoping for some sort of surprise uh yeah. but eventually after an hour and a hour and a half uh-huh. basically of waiting at, at about 30 minutes which is so much time a lot when of time the thing you're doing is like just like you're not running a fight for that long right you're not it's not like oh they're, they're still coming you know what i mean there's nothing it's looking at a skybox yeah it is watching uh, it is watching it, it feels like it was set up to be because there's so much fucking lead time it feels yeah. like it was set up to be something that people realized organically and like you know people are like wait what is that why is the skybox change? like how that like, because first you start to see you notice that the Almighty, like the Almighty has been kind of getting closer and closer in the skybox. And then like that day, it kind of was at its largest and like really obvious. Um, and then you start to notice like these streaks, which are obviously either missiles or uh, war sats that Rasputin has launched at the Almighty. But those take, those took, once they appeared, they took a full hour of like traveling through the skybox to reach the Almighty, which like that feels like, oh, we were supposed to not announce this. We were supposed to find this organically and then people would like start tweeting and like streaming and be like, oh, what's happening? Something's happening. Something's changing. And that would build some sort of excitement into finally the moment where like the Almighty comes down. Uh, Instead, they announce the start time of the skybox changing, which is a full hour and a half before anything of note happens. So you get a lot of people getting kind of frustrated. Like, I need to go have lunch bye like people leaving in my tower they're like people uh streaming in and out just like is anything happening yet no okay bye <laughs> like um the the um it was not it was not rolled out super great um eventually yeah. yeah eventually the 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 um war sats hit the almighty uh and there was a pretty cool like uh just like moment of it exploding in the sky falling through the atmosphere nearly taking out a mountain uh and that part was like really neat but after an hour and a half of waiting it definitely felt like ah all right that went the way we expected it to rasputin saved the world but it yeah it's it's both things of like uh, was it just a part of the almighty that fell or was it the whole thing no, it was the whole thing. How? Okay, but it still hit the Earth. Right, but it didn't blow up. It blew up in the in space. I see. I right? see. The I point was I it was see. supposed to hit and explode. It's like it was like, like a it, bomb. It was, it was carrying a bomb. Okay, not. Yeah. It wasn't that the impact of the ship was going to be so great because it was rapidly approaching us from the sun, no. and like a giant asteroid would cause permanent change to the Earth's biosphere no, it was just that, it had a it had a bomb on there yeah it was it was itself okay. a bomb and like what fe- fell to earth ended up being the leftover debris of that explosion but it was a pretty mm-hmm. sizable chunk of the almighty um, um okay there <laughs> there's a kind of comically in the corner section of the tower now that uh Inspect has some rubble site. yeah like there's like a little like 
area where something hit, but otherwise, like, unless you know <laughs> to look for it, nothing fucking happened to the tower. And all you get is like a banner, right? Yeah, yeah. You get like a you get like an emblem for an going emblem, over and yeah. looking at the. It says inspect crash site, and then you get an emblem. Hooray! Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, it just felt like it could have been. It felt like they set it up to be more dramatic and uh, a little more world changing than it ended up being. Um, and that's honestly kind of what I've expected from, uh, destiny <laughs> kind of a bit. It's just like, it feels like things could get really, uh, interesting, but they rarely do until like big expansions, like all the stuff in between all of the, like the small seasons have so far been like, all right, this past one was kind of the worst, uh, as far as like making it feel, uh, like making your impact felt in like the story that was happening. Um, even though like technically, I guess directly every time you did that one activity, you were making Rasputin stronger. Although here's the other funny thing. They ran a, an, an event where it's like, oh, we have to hit X amount of completions of this activity in order to make sure Rasputin's up to snuff. And then not enough people were playing destiny to hit that number. Uh, and it was pretty clear within the first day that they were not no the the, the current right. community was not going to hit that number, and they had to boost it by a magnitude of ten in order to Ooh. Uh, Ooh. actually make that. Yeah. That's a big difference. Uh-huh. That's a big difference. It was and so rough. then for this to be not the reward to that, but the 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 I mean, like diegetically, the reward for that, right? But, but you know, um, you know, this is but like that being no the preamble what. to this was like rough. It's like oh, there's not even that many yeah. people interested in engaging with this at this moment. And then, yeah. And then you have this opportunity to bring a bunch of people in because they hear, oh, it's a live event. And they think about the stuff that Fortnite has done. I don't even right. mean the Travis Scott stuff or the concerts. I mean the, the like, going into the next season, everything's going to disappear. Or everything's right. going to, you know, there's going to the be a big, changes a rocket. Yes. The rocket thing, that whole thing. Like, watching right. that rocket in, I didn't even, I wasn't even in Fortnite when I watched the rocket. I watched it on some stream and, like, that was still more exciting right. <laughs> than this ended up being. Yeah. I think there was a lot of expectations given what um, other things have been hinted at. They're kind of hinting a lot of about what the next season is going to be. There's actually a stream tomorrow morning uh, doing their first big announcement. There's been a lot of very interesting cutscenes and rumors. And I think people were expecting this event to have more of a tie-in with yeah, those sorts yeah. of things. And it totally was mm. not. Well, I <laughs> hope know. that next stuff, I do hope the next season seems yeah. cool. It know? sounds like there's there are big changes happening again. I hope Destiny will be good again. You know, a, how, the way it is every, once, once, once every year, you know, it's like it's once every really year good. it gets good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the good season. Yeah. That's so weird. Um, yeah. Well, oh, well, uh, anyone else playing something they want to shout out or talk about? Um, I could I could talk briefly about Xenoblade Xenoblade Chronicles uh, Definitive Edition. I believe it's. I would def- love to know about Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. I think that's right. Is that what, is it, it's Xenoblade Chronicles Xenoblade Definitive Chronicles. Edition. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so. Xenoblade is a series. The Xeno series is very broad and long, and who who I I've not played enough. I played Xeno Gears when it came out. I didn't play any of the Xeno Saga games. Um, I wait, didn't wait. What's up? The PS2 games, Xeno Saga. Yeah. Uh huh. What about them? Are those connected to Xenoblade? Yeah. Well, are they or are they not? I don't know. The, the Xeno series, the Xeno <laughs> meta series, is Xeno uh-huh. Gears. Xenosaga and Xenoblade 
Chronicles. Oh my god. Okay. Even inside of Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh-huh. Xenoblade Chronicles, Xenoblade Chronicles X and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 uh are all in different settings but have overlapping <laughs> callback st- sort of is stuff. It, is it the kind of like Final Fantasy situation where certain things recur or is it more like these things are technically happening in a connected world of some sort, a connected universe? Is it the Xenoblade cinematic universe or if if we had a cinematic universe as wild as the Xeno universe is, we wouldn't know it exists. <laughs> Like, it would just be happening. Right. We would learn one day. We would learn one day that Memento and, like, <clears throat> I, I'm thinking of another, like, Frozen are in the same universe. Do you know what I mean? Which is going to happen <laughs> after Disney buys uh, all of Christ. the works of Nolan and brings them into right. the Disney cinematic universe. But you know what I mean? Like, that is the, the I mean, it's, that's not true. They're, they're all sci-fi, science, science fiction slash science fantasy JRPGs. Um, but there is a there is a, a wide range of like characters and settings and situations. In any case, the Xenoblade Chronicles games are kind of have always been um, since this first one open world third person like uh, action or not action RPGs like they're they're JRPGs that have actually a lot of a lot in common with MMO combat. You select um, an ability, you auto attack when you select an enemy, then you select abilities to use. Uh, and abilities can combo and chain. And a lot of the game is about like, I'm going to inflict break on an enemy. And then one of my other teammates can inflict topple to knock them over and to daze them. Um, and like that, that is like the basic game flow. Uh, uh, and I played a lot of Xenoblade Chronicles X, um, which was maybe the most MMO of these because your character was just kind of a, a nobody who had joined a group of, like it had the most you your character can't matter because there have to be a thousand of you even though it was not an mmo um uh uh and and that game was cool and had a great open world monolith the developer is a really great uh is really good at making these kind of vast open alien spaces that interlock in cool ways and have a, a great deal of verticality that game took a lot of advantage of the verticality because eventually you got a mech and that eventually that mech could fly and so there was mm. this really great sense of looking up at the beginning of the game being like how the hell am i ever going to get up there and then 60 hours in being like with this fucking sick mech and like <laughs> flying up there um the xenoblade 2 had uh I'd say lots of issues in the character design and I think it was like extremely drawing on kind of some of the worst elements of shonen stories and like very it's a very horny game in a way that like was like kind of cringy. Um I still think that those mechanics were really good and I think some of the world building and some of the locations and and story stuff were really interesting and I actually liked a lot of the characters when it wasn't being embarrassing. <laughs> um I think a lot of them actually had a lot of heart. Uh, and I really liked the the complexity of the combat. And I'd never played this Xenoblade Chronicles until now um, because it was a Wii U game. Or was it a Wii game originally? God, was it originally a Wii game? Um, let's see. Yeah, that I was, was, a, yeah, I think Wii. it was originally just a Wii game after I had sold my Wii for rent money. Um, and uh, so I just never got around to it. Um, and it Same has, with you know, Shulk, right? You play a Shulk. Shulk who has from Super Smash Brothers. From Super Smash Brothers, who fights with the Mon- Monado, the Monado, 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 Monado. It's a big Mon- red sword. Monado, it's a big Monado. red sword. Monado, Monado. <laughs> Great. Uh, Monado. Hmm, I think it's, yeah, Menudo. Yeah, that's correct. 
Uh, um, God. Uh, and it is, again, a big, open, pretty RPG um, where you're getting a billion quests. Like, I've never seen as many side quests as I've seen in this game. Just dozens of go kill three of these things, go find five of these things. Uh, but it does do some really interesting stuff that uh, I think takes its own fiction more seriously, not in terms of theme, but in terms of mechanics. Um, the, the premise of this game is that, or the premise of this game's world is that you live on of the body of a god. There is a huge organic god that many eons ago was in combat with a big mechanical god. They're called Bionis and Maconis, obviously. Mm. Uh, and many years ago, Maconis slammed a sword into Bionis, and then both of them froze in place. And that's ever since from, then, that's where people live. That's from Dune, right? Those are the houses. Yeah, those are the houses, <laughs> houses of Dune. Um, God, if the if there was a Xenoblade Dune crossover, it would be the most cursed thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, which is, the thing that's cool about this is, at any point, you kind of look up and be like, um, yeah, there's the sword from the god that slammed into the god we live on. That's wild. I hope <laughs> no robots come and kill us. Oh no, the robots have come to kill us. Uh, and one of the big prim one of the big um, um, truths about this world is it's very hard to kill the robots that are from the robot god's body that occasionally come to terrorize the humans and other species on the biological god's body. There's only one weapon that can really do it, and it's called the Monado, which is this sick laser sword um, that also lets you, Shulk, see the future. And I came to this game knowing all of the things I just said and thinking that those things were going to be story elements – but they're all like super important mechanical elements too. So the Monado is the only weapon in the game that can just hurt these robots that fight you. You often are fighting <laughs> monsters or creatures or band, you know, whatever, other people, and all weapons work for that. But when you're fighting these robots, only your weird laser sword can damage them unless you enhance the rest of your party or do a series of combos to weaken the enemy and, and topple them and, and let them take damage. And that is like such a small thing, but it suddenly means that certain party compositions have to be able to think about party composition in different ways. You have to invest in the Monado's abilities when you're leveling up and stuff like that, because they have a, a real effect on whether or not you're able to fight, win those fights well. Um, and it's also just cool to be like, yeah, this is the character who is just sick at fighting robots. Everyone else is good at everything else, but this motherfucker fights robots. That's what he does. And that being, <laughs> I, I have played so many JRPGs where that is true fictionally, but then mechanically it's like, oh no, it's, yeah, he gets, he does 5% more damage or something like that. This is like, no, everyone else does one damage. He does 702. <laughs> like that's a big, big, meaningful difference. Um, uh, the other thing that is, um, that is mechanized that I didn't expect to, to show up uh, in that way, is that the Monado lets you see the future. Um, and early in the narrative, it's like, oh no, I saw, you know, oh, they're going to try to shoot me. I, I, I'll get killed. So let me go right instead of left. Oh no, they're coming for my friend. I can't stop them. They're too far away. I can't help, but I've seen how terrible this is going to go. And I'm like, okay, that's what it's going to be. But then you get into a fight uh, kind of towards the end of the second or third chapter where you see uh, your friend being killed in this fight. And then it goes like, all right, so here's how you have to stop that from happening. You have to figure out a way to interrupt this enemy before it does this death blow attack on your friend. And that becomes a recurring mechanical thing where there are different – There, every once in a while, you in, in regular combat even against kind of like uh, non-boss characters, but I think even like stronger mid-tier uh, enemies – 
um, you'll you'll say it'll say like, oh, they're about to do this wild attack. They're going to hit you for this much damage, or they're going to do this sort of like they're going to summon more enemy, whatever it is, right? Other types of, of abilities. And there are different ways for you to interrupt based on what type of abilities it is, whether that's like raising a shield to protect somebody or hitting them with a status effect to prevent them from doing the thing. And that is just I had no idea that was in this game. And it's very mm. cool to be like, oh, hey, yeah, you're playing a character who can see the future, who can see moments in the future. Here's how you would use that. Here's how you can use that to sway these battles in your in into your advantage. It's way more gimmicky than I imagined um, the game would be. And that is actually a... a uh, a compliment to it. Um, it it feels it, it reminds me of playing a board game in a weird way where you sit down with something like a worker placement game and you go, okay, well, what's the theming here? And then how does the theming affect the core mechanics? And like, oh well, in this game, you know, you're we we are it's all about automation. And so once per turn you can repeat a single action or something like that. And like, oh okay, cool. Like, that's not a big dramatic change to what a worker placement game is. But it does give you some of the theme of the game inside of the the, the moment to moment play, um, and it just, just does a good job of that. Um, it's also very pretty, and the music is good. And so, like, I, yeah, I get it. I get why people said that this was slept on. Um, I don't know how much deeper I'll go into it because I do think narratively it's been very like stock. It's very much the the chosen boy goes off into the world with his friends, um, and. I will say I got my dose of that probably already this year from Final Fantasy VII, and and honestly, even that version of it is was stronger because it is not. It's sort of the chosen boy, but that boy don't want to be chosen, and that's <laughs> you know complicated for various reasons throughout the throughout the game. Um, but but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's very pleasant, it, and it's nice to have a very pleasant game to play uh, right now, given given the, the way the world is. So <laughs> Xenoblade Xenoblade Chronicles uh, Definitive Edition. Definitely worth at least a, a peek if you're if you're looking for something like that. Um, anyone else playing anything they want to they want to shout out? If not, I can go to the question well, bucket. Gita, I I have been trying to learn how to not suck at Valorant. Oh hell yeah! That's nice. Yeah, that's that's uh, I got I Same. finally <laughs> I finally figured out how to get the game to work on my computer. So that's great. Step um, one. Yeah, the Vanguard anti-cheat was really giving me hell during the beta, but it seems to have resolved whatever issue it was having. So. Phew. Um, but yeah, I played some Spike Rush with Heather Alexandra from, uh, well, God, she's not a journalist anymore. She's, not she's a journalist from anymore. Double, Fine Double Fine now. Yeah. She's the community manager. Um, super cool. So she's much better at shooters than me. So it was really nice having her around. And she wanted to play Spike Rush with me because it's really fast paced and nobody minds if you mess up. And it's really just about people having fun and trying to figure out how to play the game, learning maps and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So once I've got, I think the big thing that I, I really figured out how to focus on is like, it's so important for you to look at the map and learn the map and learn location names. Like you just have to do it. <laughs> you, you have to do it or else you will not be helpful at all. Uh, dying sucks, but knowing where you are and how to tell people where people are coming from will still help people so much. Mm -hmm. uh, but I tried a new character finally. I tried Sova. I've been playing Sage, who's the healer, which is like as a support character, you kind of always know how to help people because <laughs> healing people is always good, right? right. Um, but I tried Sova, which is the one that has the tactical arrow that can show you where people are. And I think now my investment in this game has grown because I really liked playing that character quite a bit. There's something about... 
that specific ability that is so much fun when you like, especially something as fast paced as Spike Rush, which is like, yeah. like 20 minute games each, basically, where you can just fuck up everyone's day just by planting an arrow just right so that it hits the broadest range of the of the map that they could po- be possibly be coming through. And so they can't escape you. And that's just an immediate turning of the tide a lot of the time. Um I don't know. There's something really fun about finding your main in a game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like feel like this might be close to it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Austin, you said you're also trying to be not bad at Valorant. I, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means that it's gotten harder because more people are playing. And because That's there's no true. there's no ranked, there's no competitive mode right now, which means that the really good players haven't filtered themselves out into <laughs> into playing ranked <laughs> yeah. mostly. Um, yeah. uh, it, it means that I've had like way harder matches than than... I did during beta, which is not that surprising, obviously. That, mm-hmm. That's a pretty common thing. Um, like, you know, by the end of beta, I was mostly winning that game when I played. Now I'm mm-hmm. mostly losing those games. Um, yeah. I don't know if Kata- I can see a difference, too, in Spike Rush even, where people that just know these maps and know how to play have played Counter-Strike Global Offensive, clearly. Yeah. Like, just have, clearly have. Yeah. And I know what makes a person good at that game, but I don't have that experience with it. So I'm just starting from a totally different place. Yeah, totally. I I um I really like Spike Rush too. I, I find that it's like a really great cooldown for me at the end of a session. Mm-hmm. I, I have a harder time starting with it and then going into regular games, but I really mm-hmm. like cooling down with it for sure. Um, I like the length of a standard unranked game, you know, yeah, but yeah. Uh, Heather only had time for Spike Rush, so I gave that it a sense. shot, and I. I, I did feel like I would prefer to play this after a longer, slower paced game. Yeah. But I did appreciate that they figured out how to... Because I, I always wanted to grab a kick way game of Valorant when the beta was happening, but I never had like half an hour to 40 minutes. Yeah, it can, be, it can be a long one. I like I do also like the length of a regular match because it's good at like getting in the heads of the opponent and figuring out what the, what their plays are and trying to run it back and all that stuff. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm keeping up with that for sure. I know, Kata, you've been playing some still too. Totally. Yeah, still waiting for the matchmaking to kind of self-correct over <laughs> since they reset it at launch, but yeah, um, definitely, definitely. Um, all right, uh, I think actually, given given that, we should probably just wrap up. Um, we'll try to get to a question bucket soon. Um, but until then, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. You can follow everything we do at twitter.com slash waypoint. Uh, Rob, where can people find you? At Rob Zachney. Cato. At A underscore Kato underscore appears. And Gita. At XOXO Gossip Gita. Thank you as always to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You up the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that uh, at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Is there anything on the site that people would like to shout out or that's coming up that people should know about or anything else that, that we should point people to? Oh, I have an interview with one of the Mac makeup artists, Romero Jennings, that uh, created the Mac makeup that came in the free update for The Sims. Um, I know the fandom has had mixed reactions, but I think you'll really like if you you if you even if you dislike the makeup, learning about the process that it took to create something that is like a real physical product line and then bring the Mac brand and what Mac has been all about for like almost half a century now yeah. into The Sims. It, it was such a cool interview, That's and awesome. Romero Jennings is a really cool guy. Cool. Go check that out. Um, all right. Uh, and I know that we're going to have... Uh, can we say what the podcast is going to be on Friday, Rob? Do you know? Is that allowed? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the Last of Us 2 embargo is up on the 12th, so. There you go. So look nice. forward to some impressions about that uh, then from, from some folks here. So uh, until then, as always, um, I feel like I'm missing a thing, but but I'm not. I think I've done did all the things. Bowen? I did. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, well. Wow, disapproving note from Kata. Did you really, though? <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> Let me point out zone slash no, that B-O-E-N in case I didn't. You call that giving credit. That was me. That was <laughs> so, me. That's, that is sufficient to you. <laughs> that was me God. questioning my own memory in this moment. Uh, fair. You know what? <laughs> fair. Um, on that note, we should get out of here. As always, fuck capitalism. Go home. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. But also get out in the streets. But also please get out in the streets. Make some noise. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the streets is our homes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. These are the our streets. The streets is our home. Yeah. yeah who's streets? Whose who's streets? streets? <laughs> our streets. Thank you. That's what Unless I'm it's not. like 2.30 in the morning and you're setting off fireworks in the street outside my house, in which case, like, mm, maybe yeah. it's time to go home. Whose street? <laughs> Rob Street. Rob, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. God. All right. Y'all. It's very hard not to talk about the Clone Wars, Rob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in relation to all of this. It's very hard. <sighs> That's the sound I make when I want to talk about a show that I can't talk about. <laughs> Every day, I'm like, every day. I want to talk about the Mentalist. I want to talk about Clone Wars. Are you still in season three of the Mentalist? Are you yeah. four? Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to cut down on my TV time to make more room for games. Okay, fair. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> games are good. I like games. I like I like video games. I just want more time. I just yeah. need the. I just need more time, fucker. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Roy Batty ends yeah. a gaming binge. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no! Roy Batty's heated gaming moments. Oh, the Witcher? How long to beat? Oh, no. Oh, God. I want a skip list, fucker. Oh, all those episodes lost. <laughs> Here's great. Oh, should I replay The Witcher? No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Anyway, I saw I saw the Almighty fall in destiny. Oh, oh, we'll oh talk about right. that. When we come back, we'll come back. We'll oh, talk about that. We have well. to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have to. I know it's a bit. I know you're building. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs>
I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> I've seen Travis Scott in Fortnite. <laughs> You know, this air conditioning thing sucks because mm. now when it's not running, I'm mm-hmm. out here like, ooh, it's feeling a little warm in my room. <laughs> and it, I, it's not who I am. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. So the <laughs> thing is, I am. but you got to have that fan going. It is. My fan's going. I can't have the fan in the air conditioning unit going because it's too loud. Oh, uh, so what are you using for fan? I just have another fan. Yeah. Um, and it's fine. It's fine. Wait, is it another but tornado? I have... It's like an off-brand tornado. I do have a tornado, okay. but I haven't unboxed it yet because I got the air conditioner. Gotcha. But I haven't really. I got to turn on the tornado. Um, but yeah, if I put on the fan, you would hear it. It would be bad. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I will. Mm, so I got this fan. It's a really nice oscillating fan. Moves a lot of air. Okay. It's also from a company that what it's known for is making fans for libraries. Ooh. Huh. I like this thing. Is really quiet. Okay. And it, yeah, like whisper mode, it is dead silent. Like you can hit me, you, hit you me with that running. recommendation. Yeah, hit me with, hit yeah, me with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me pull it up. Link. Oh, um, I wanted to recommend to both of you Supernova Era by Six and Lou. By the way, I just finished it. It's so great. Um, science fiction book, hard yeah. sci-fi. Uh, Supernova gives out radiation on the planet Earth uh, that will kill everyone over the age of thirteen in. A year and let, that's like the first quarter of the book the right. rest of the you book is this. yeah children taking well it got to the part where we've learned who america's president and secretary of state is and america's president is a perfect perfect little boy who's the most handsome boy in the world basically wow. and his parents are perfectly politically average he just realized at a young age like a lot of american children that you have to like find an extraordinary opportunity and seize it unless you're gonna mm. if you don't want to be an average kid and his opportunity was becoming the president. Uh, and then the secretary of state is an evil little boy who does drugs. <laughs> Great. <laughs> he, he literally looks like a skeleton. Like they describe him <sighs> having paper white, thin skin that droops off his frame. He's like 12 years old. And then uh, America immediately descends into children playing with guns. <laughs> of course. Great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um. <laughs> Cool. And that's Supernova era, right? Yes. It's shorter than most of his other books. I was going to say, yeah, how does it, read. how does it, yeah, yeah, yeah. The three, the three body it's, stuff. It's how long to breezy. be? Uh, it's a lot okay. breezier. It reveals itself as an allegory about what we teach our children about our countries about halfway through. And from there, it gotcha. just becomes quicker and quicker to read. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Um, I have seen child presidents. Yeah. Yeah. There's a fucking car a block over that has an alarm that sounds like a fucking klaxon. Oh, that's really annoying. It's not good. Car alarms are evil. They yeah. are. Not as evil as the fuckers who were setting off uh, firecrackers, though, at 2.30 in the morning, uh, like, below my window. No. That's just rude. Yeah, and <laughs> they know that nobody's going to call the cops on them this week. But... Does that preclude me going out and kicking somebody's ass in the middle of the night? That's the thing. Like, full on, like, dude coming in, coming out in a bathrobe, being like, I'm gonna fuck you kids up if you stay there. 
please. But what if the kids are big? There's the thing. What if there's kids many be of big. them? Kids be big. I see teenagers sometimes, and I'm like, that is an adult. Then they're not adults. They're big, but not but but small. Big, big of stature, small of age. <laughs> I feel like uh, my high school skewed smaller for some reason, because every other high school I've ever seen, like everyone just looked larger and bigger. <laughs> I feel like I knew a lot of very short people. <laughs> <laughs> my high school's size demographics changed once uh, it became a fad for rich dudes to start doing roids. <laughs> Love it. Great. Yeah. It was awesome, dude. Like, junior year, suddenly a bunch of, like, unremarkable dudes suddenly just, like, got, like, fat with muscle in a year. Uh, and then started having a ton of behavioral issues. <laughs> Someday, I'm gonna learn what the fuck is wrong with my camera. And why it mm. only works ten, like, half the time. And never when so I need weird. it to. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready though. I'm no camera. I wonder if it's a Discord thing. Like no, it's with every app. It crashed oh, opening the Logitech camera settings app oh, just now. That's <laughs> okay. what I was trying to open to see gotcha. if it was if Discord. It was to, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, let me start this recording. Um, You'll be proud to know I already opened time.is though. Perfect. Uh, let's clap at 12 seconds. Hold on, I gotta... Oh, let's not clap in 12 seconds. It's okay. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay, no wonder it sounds roomier. My gain is really high. That uh, makes sense. I was gonna suggest hold on, but that. The thing is, the knob isn't, so did the Windows setting. Yeah, Windows just aside. The Windows settings. Mm. Mm. We all, I saw we all know tweet. Do you want to know about them. it or no? Wait, what? I saw a bad tweet. Do you want to know about it or no? Uh, Michael Tracy, does that oh, does that bad. give you a I saw, no? I saw okay, you I already saw. You, I uh, let me take out my headphones. You go ahead. Okay, well then we're safe. Yeah, it's no. a really bad one. It's, it's a, a really but, bad but he's, one. He's he's so it's okay. It's go ahead. JKR you do it. mask off. Yeah, bad. go ahead. Yeah, I'm taking my headphones out. Uh, he just basically said that all journal black journalists have to do is say I'm so tired, and then. Every media institution caves to your incessant, like inscrutable demands, and like not only is that not true, if it was true, I'd be getting paid so much more. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how much money I would get if all I had to do is say I'm so tired? <laughs> like, come on, yeah, like it's not. How can you look at journalism of all institutions and say too many black people get what they want? <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh huh. All right, Robbie. Ready Michael to Tracy is just. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can't. We all know. We all know. I know. I, know. I, know. I hate. I hate him so much. Me I too. just hate him. <laughs> uh, five after. Five seconds after. Sure. <clears throat> okay. World's Oceans Day. Yeah. Well, that's nice. I like, I like the oceans. I like the oceans. Good oceans. <laughs> Let's protect our home.